0: Welcome to the ATP Podcast, I'm Seb Lozier and this week we have all the action and build-up from the very best players in the world in Turin for the season-ending NITO ATP Finals. We'll hear from a number of the doubles teams and from all of the singles players and we start right at the top with world number one Novak Djokovic who heads up the green group in Turin alongside Yannick Sinner, Stefanos Tsitsipas and Holger Runa. Djokovic looks set to finish yet another year at the top of the pile and told ATP Uncovered that the one constant throughout his career has been, quite simply, a desire, even a need, to be the
1: best.
2: Uh, I think you have broken a barrier in your career by winning your first title. And how do you feel?
3: Well, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel anything special, but...
1: <laughs> oh, stop it!
0: Novak Djokovic, what are you doing? i what a way to
4: finish it.
3: Since I was really young, seven, eight years old, my record was bigger than me and I already said I want to be number one in the world. Another day,
0: another victory for Novak Djokovic. What a strike! Novak Djokovic, just a machine at times. Tennis from another level, from Novak Djokovic. He will become the new world number one. He is king of the world right now. Incredible final, high-quality stuff, and a fitting end. He's the undisputed world number one.
3: I really try to, to do my best and then... And, and and have success, and especially in the era of uh, Nadal and Federer, who have been so dominant, uh, makes my success even bigger. Once you become number one and you build some weeks uh, on, the, on that spot in the rankings, you're thinking, you know, maybe I could, you know, get another week or another week. And then next thing you know, you know, you're kind of climbing yourself on that, on that ladder of, of the people that have held the, the number one for the most weeks.
0: Djokovic doing Djokovic things. This man is world number one for a reason.
3: If you are planning to be top five, top 10, top 15 in the world, and we want to reach certain level of consistency, and that's your goal, that's fine. But it's it's completely different story if you're aiming to be number one, and only that interests you. Never was satisfied with anything else but number one. I
4: told you. Base level of play is just so high from start to finish. What a warrior
0: this guy is. Djokovic looking every inch the best player in the world. But Djokovic, so strong, so impressive. Destruction from Djokovic. He is rightfully the world number one and likely to stay there.
3: Each year that you come back in a place where you won the previous year, you have to defend those points. You know, it's all about mindset. It's all about prioritization. Throughout my career, I've always tried to peak at the biggest events because I I know that that's going to bring me the most points.
5: It had to be an almighty performance from the world number one.
0: tennis from another level from Novak Djokovic.
3: Being number one in the world has become extremely uh, difficult and high mountaintop to climb because you really need that consistency of results.
0: Oh, you've got to be kidding me. He's not human, Novak
5: Djokovic. Yet more history for Novak Djokovic
3: of course that has been one of my greatest goals in the last probably five years you know is to try to break break the record there and manage to do it so of course it was very deeply fulfilling
0: oh tennis from another level from novak Djokovic. oh he's done it
3: people would agree you know the 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 kind of a the pinnacle of our sport is you know, winning slams and being number one in the world.
0: Another title for the world's best. He is almost untouchable in men's tennis right now. The man of the moment, make no mistake.
2: The sir continues to raise the bar.
0: Novak Djokovic, who continues to raise the bar and will be looking to make history again in Turin this week by claiming a seventh NITO ATP Finals title. One man hoping to stop him who will have a lot of crowd support is 22-year-old Italian Yannick Sinner. Two years ago, he stepped in as an alternate for countryman Matteo Berrettini. Now, as he told Chris Bowers, he cannot wait to take his rightful place in the top eight.
6: First of all, it was a tough moment also for me because um, Matteo, he hurts himself, so it was tough to... To play for him, but I felt like that I handled the situation well. Um, I also played really well the the two matches I played there, so I'm looking forward to How are you? to play as, as as a real qualifier.
4: Yeah, I assume that there's something about being there in your own right that will make a big difference. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like you
6: know you 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 feel better to when you when you are there. For you, no, because you you qualified means you had a a very good year, and and obviously I'm I'm very happy to be there in the in the in the situation.
4: How have you improved as a player over the last 12 months? Yeah, I I think I I,
6: I have improved physically for sure because when you feel better physically, you you. You also move better and you feel the ball a little bit better, I feel like. But for sure, um, the whole thing throughout the work we have done in, in the last year, also the mental part and, and tennis-wise, I feel, I feel much better on court. So it's, um, I'm, I feel much better as a player, but obviously I know that I can improve still uh, many things. How much do you think playing in Italy will help you? yeah for sure the crowd is is behind me and 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 obviously i will i will try my best to uh, to make all all the fans as happy as possible and trying to win as uh, as many matches as possible but in the other way i've i also have to enjoy the moment you know it's uh, it's it's going to be a good moment for me and then hopefully it's going to be a um, a good tournament
4: do you have plenty of friends from where you grow up in in the South Tyrol region, the Alto Adige, do they come and watch you more than any other tournament? Yeah, maybe maybe they come. Um, I don't
6: like my my best friends. They're still the friends that I had in in the school, and they know me as as a person who I was before. Um, which is for me more important than them. having having this friendship. Uh, feel uh, makes me feel much better um, when I struggle with with something. I, I call them, so um, I think that they are coming to uh, to watch me play, which is always a, a very nice experience.
4: There'll be you. There'll be Carlos Alcaraz. Holgaruna as well. Does it sometimes feel like you're still in juniors, but you're just in the big tournaments? <laughs> yeah, um,
6: it's nice. I think for the sport, you know, to see the the young players coming coming through, and, and 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 it's really nice to to be part of this of this uh, yeah rivalry because it is a kind a of, kind of rivalry, and 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 so hopefully we can all show some. Some good moments
0: there, some, some good level, and some, so, so so we're looking forward to it. Ahead of the finals, Sinner and his team also spent some time with ATP Uncovered.
6: My team, I would describe it nice people, happy people. Everyone knows very well what he has to do. I feel good with
7: them and lucky to have them. <laughs> I'm Simone Vagnozzi and I'm the coach of Yannick Sinner. Eh? I'm strong, eh? I'm so strong.
1: <laughs> Darren Cahill and I'm one of the coaches of Yannick Center.
8: My name is Giacomo Naldi, I'm the physiotherapist of Yannick. What else you want to know?
9: If I don't understand something, I ask you. Yeah. My name is Umberto Ferrara and uh, I'm uh, the fitness coach in the Yannick's uh, team.
6: Everyone is very important for me, know, Because uh, when I always ask someone to join my team, it's, it's not only if they are the best in their work, but also how do I feel with them. So basically I see more them than, <laughs> than my family. So it's, it's, you have to feel very comfortable, no? And to talk about
7: everything very very openly. I started with Yannick at uh,
1: February last
7: year, on um, 2022.
1: Simone is the one that's really steering the ship and pushing in the right direction. And my role is more about the experience, together with Yannick and Umberto and Giacomo and the whole team. So it's been a great first 12 months.
6: Uh, the most competitive I am, because
1: I, I really hate to lose.
8: <laughs>
1: Yannick uh, strives to win everything he does. Ah, Yannick for sure. (laughs) Yannick wants to win everything. (laughs) Uh, The most serious member in the team would have to be Umberto, for sure. Probably Umberto. I think Umberto. He's got maybe the most important job because your body is your temple. It's the most important asset that a tennis player has. So every night at dinner, he's on
9: him about what is the right thing to eat and what he should stay away from. When we work, Everybody is serious, but uh, when we finish the, the, the training, uh, we can joke uh, all together, yeah. We play lots of cards.
8: I teach them um, a new game, an Italian game. Barocco. I don't
1: know if he told you about this game, but this is the latest game that uh, all the Italians are playing.
8: Yannick want to play every day.
9: It's a very good uh, game because uh, we can uh, play when we are three. Also when we are four or uh, when uh, all the team is, uh, is present.
8: When we the first time he played that he won a tournament, so now I want to play every day. He wake up
7: in the morning, he make the physical stuff before. Exercise for
8: mobility. Pre-training uh, uh, section it means uh, like some mobility, some um, preventive exercises.
9: We have uh, a lot of exercise to prehab for uh, the injury that uh, Yannick has in the past, uh, uh, in the ankles.
8: Uh. My uh, job is to work on his uh, on his uh, feet doing taping, and before the, of course, with the, um, the practice. Oh, and then we go to the
7: court. He uh, play one hour and a half normally, with another player, some points, some drill. And in the afternoon we make uh, one hour of um, technique, serve, volley, slice.
8: The main part of my job is after, game or practice, because I work with his muscles, so massage, uh, again mobility, I try to do whatever he needs for recover his body.
6: I have to work a lot and they have to push me. As sometimes I push them also to, to do a little bit more and every day is a challenge.
1: Yannick as an athlete and a person I would say are, are pretty similar. There's not too much difference between the player that you see on court and the player and the person that he is off the court and I think that says a lot to who he is. Um,
7: it's easy to coach Yannick also because he he wants to improve a lot, and uh, he go on the court uh, with, always with a smile and everything, so it's, for our coach it's really good.
1: There, there's no fake agenda with the way he is. He's passionate, he has fun, he's not afraid to smile, uh, he's a bit of a jokester, he's got a hunger about him, and he's got a, you can see it in his eyes, it's, uh, I know he's called the fox but he's got a little tiger in his stomach and he wants it badly.
6: I'm, I'm looking always for people who are uh, good friends, but I also want them to be very honest with me.
1: If you have honesty between the player and the coach or coaches, uh, then you have a much better relationship, even if sometimes the truth hurts the player a little bit. That's the type of relationship you always wish to have.
9: The best memory is uh, maybe uh, the last is the win in Toronto for sure.
5: And the biggest the Vionic Center's career turns into a monumental early birthday present. Number eight is oh so sweet.
7: Really, I'm really happy for him because it was uh, a goal that he had. In the end, uh, I think it takes a lot of um, confidence in Wimbledon with the first semi-final of Grand Slam and, uh, and finally he got it.
6: I want to thank my team. Um, not the whole team is here, but I'm very, very Happy to, to share this moment with, with all of you guys and, and all the people who are around me every day, believing in me. We are working very, very hard to be in this situation.
0: While Yannick Sinner is still a relative newcomer to this event, former champion Stefano Tsitsipas is already making his fifth consecutive appearance, dating back to 2019 when he went all the way to the title. Now at the grand old age of 25, what advice would he give to his younger self?
10: Hello younger Stephanos, this is future Stephanos and I would like to drop you some notes. This is going to be a very long journey, a difficult one, an enjoyable one, one with victories and one with losses and uh, just try and love the game as much as you can. Just think positively, don't let negativity drown you, and stay on your feet even when you get punched. In the beginning, I, would, I was playing a lot with spontaneity and just uh, being completely free and careless. And now there's much more structure and much more, let's say, discipline and anticipation in my game. You want to win every single set. You want to be someone that is just constantly pushing and playing close to the lines and doing these incredible shots, but tennis doesn't really work this way. You have to be consistent. You have to be precise, but within reason. My younger self wouldn't know how hard it would take me to get to where I am today. Thinking about it now, there have been so many painful moments in my career so far that I never anticipated or never thought I would reach that point. So much repetition when it comes to tennis, so much uh, showing up on court, being disciplined every single day, building that champions mentality, building that uh, indestructible uh, sort of person that I want to be on the court, it all starts from the fitness room never quitting a practice session or a fitness session. I've never quitted once a fitness session because it's uh, my mental preparation when I'm on the gym. I'm never going to quit because if I quit, that is going to translate to to my tennis. Teaching my younger self how to deal with pain is something that is very difficult to describe. You get punched a lot, especially when you're young, What you have to do, what is your responsibility, is to get up, get punched again, keep pushing further, keep pushing more. Uh, Practice sessions become harder. You have to face the heat, you have to face the humidity, you have to sometimes even face your coach yelling at you for not doing enough, and this is all part of the process. What I would tell my younger self about focus is sticking your eyes to the ball. Uh, letting go of all distractions, of all the people that are around the court, completely disconnecting from all of that and putting all of your attention and focus on the yellow fuzzy ball that's flying around the court. And it's entirely the ball. It's me, the ball, and the net. And this is something that um, has helped me generate more focus in crucial moments where I have to regain my attention. The pressure moments are the ones that define a good tennis player from an average tennis player and pressure is a moment that you have to deal uh, with maturity and these are the moments that you actually have to step up your game and stay calm before the storm.
0: Last but not least in the green group is Dane Holger Rune, who is simply delighted to upgrade his alternate status from last year a first-time finalist this year, as he told Ersin Kaderis.
11: It's been a big goal for me, you know, being you know in the season and in the moment you don't think so much about it, but as we get closer and the race was, you know, very close for me and, and with other players, it was like kind of a goal that I really wanted to achieve. I wanted I wanted it badly and I got it. So I'm very happy and satisfied with that. But now we're
5: here, so I'm just gonna take my chance and do everything I can. And take your chance you mean you know, you can win this thing, because you you saw that you can compete with the very best. Yeah, I mean, especially
11: the last two tournaments, I've been playing better tennis, gotten back to, to my level. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we're improving, you know. I, it was a tough uh, period after Wimbledon for me, but, you know, it's, uh, it's normal. Sometimes you have good and bad uh, moments, but just, you know, it's important to learn, and I've definitely learned. Mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm. What was the biggest lesson you learned this year? Could be tennis, but also mentally. Stability in life. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. That was your biggest lesson this that's the biggest lesson. To have the people around you that yes. you trust? What, what,
11: what, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, to have a team that is there for the right reason and they want the best for you, they're, you know, great people. And I feel like it's important as a player that you feel that you you have the people around you that you feel you can always learn from and you respect them 100%. And I have a beautiful family that is always, you know, well with me, whether they're with me from home or here, it, it doesn't really, you know, make the difference. Just showing the support is what matters. Mm-hmm. Is the tension, the pressure, is that fun or is it just
5: difficult to deal with?
11: For me, it's a lot of fun. For me, when I don't have this, it's it's more boring, to be honest. Uh, so yeah, I mean, these kind of events excites me and it's events that you want to qualify from, If you ask me, I would wish there was like eight of these events a year, and uh, and not one. But then you know, it also makes it more you know interested for the fans, for the players, that you know it's one time here in Turin, and uh, you know whoever is gonna you know prevail the best tennis
5: and be mentally the strongest is gonna take the title. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the players you're gonna play. Uh, Novak Djokovic. Do you actually enjoy playing him? Yes.
11: And No, (laughs) Um, I do enjoy to play him because it's amazing to share the code with such a legend Um, and we have always had great battles together. Um, Last time in Paris was not long ago, was also another good battle. So, you know, I hope to to learn a little bit from that and, and do it a bit different this time so I can get the win. How
5: do you beat him? Because you have beaten him.
11: Yeah, um, so you cannot like wish that he missed a shot or wish that he has an off day, because you know he loses probably like four to five matches a year, so he doesn't have the off days. Uh, so you know the only wish you can have in yourself is to try to play your best tennis and be the most focused on the court in your life. Uh, so it's like you have to be you have to be ready to to give everything.
5: What's Yannick Sinner like to play? How do you play against him to win? For me,
11: he's a he's an amazing ball striker. He has one of the cleanest hit on the tour, I think, Um, from both sides, you know, it's not really, you have to play him on the forehand or backhand or whatever, he's really strong and, uh, yeah, you have to be smart to play him and, yeah, I managed to time to do it, but it was definitely not easy, so, you know, man I expect another tough battle.
5: And what about Stefanos Tsitsipas?
11: Stefanos, I have good memories with him also on the court, you know, first time in French Open, second time in Stockholm. He's, uh, I think he's very hungry now. Um, you know, he's been, uh, you know, saying a lot of stuff and, and things like that and, you know, that uh, he's, he's ready to go out there and, and compete, so I'm expecting a tough battle from him and, uh, yeah, he's, he's a great player and he's been in the top for, for many,
5: many years and can I show you a video from the ATP finals a few years ago yes can you describe what this was (laughs) yeah that's uh,
11: me with Roger Federer very good moment Uh, I wish he was here to be honest but uh, such a legend my big inspiration when I was a kid and then it keeps going (laughs) then Novak Djokovic my competitor on Sunday wow and he was still with Gorin at that point I didn't so they've been together for long actually. What year was this? This was 2019. I I remember. It's the same team as I'm playing on Sunday. That's cool. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing. Amazing, you know, knowing that there was a small boy practicing being a hitting partner to now competing against him is cool. Was it like oh my god these guys? For sure, for sure. I was You know, I feel like I I didn't want to miss a ball because, you know, I I was afraid they were getting mad at me because, you know, you want to do the best for for them. But now, you know, now I don't want to do the best for him on the court. (laughs) Yeah,
5: (laughs) very nice.
7: You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com.
0: It's not often that a former world number one, two-time Grand Slam champion makes their debut at the NITO ATP finals. But that is exactly what Carlos Alcaraz will be doing this year when he spearheads the Red Group alongside Daniel Medvedev, Andrei Rublev and Alexander Zverev. Injured for last year's finals, he has suffered early exits recently in both Shanghai and Paris. But that dip in form will not last long, according to anyone who knows him well. And that includes Spanish tennis journalist Juan Solsona.
12: I don't know why in Spain we have so much luck in that and before even Nadal is retiring, we have someone that is going to replace him. I think that he took a good decision when uh, he was 16, uh, moving to Ferrero Academy and getting Ferrero as a coach because, of course, he's a former one, number one player and since then, he started improving so much. Every year he was improving more and more. That's why last year he became the the youngest number one in the in the ranking, so in one way, I I don't think it was surprising because I think that he made the right steps to become number one and Grand Slam champion.
13: Yeah, and it's been a very successful relationship as well. Like watching this relationship unfold before you, as far as how they work together, what do you feel like has been so influential for Carlos that Ferrero brings?
12: Yeah, the, the, the point I think that they are not just. A coach and a player. They are so good friends. Even, let's say, Ferrero is like his older brother. And I think that's a good advantage because they can talk about anything. You know, sometimes when you have like a super old coach, you cannot talk about everything. And in that case, uh, Ferrero is like coach, brother, and sometimes even father because he spent more time with Ferrero than with his family. So
13: watching him, de- I mean, what we talk about Carlos so much is he has. There's almost. I mean, what can he improve on? He brings so much to the game. He can do everything already. Um, what has that? I mean, how quickly for you did that develop? And are you surprised by that? And what else do you feel like he c- can improve on?
12: Well, in terms of tennis, I don't think he can improve a lot of things because, as you said, <laughs> he has everything. He knows how to do almost everything and, uh, well, in fact, when you became number one, it means that you know how to play. But it's also true that, especially this year, he had some problems with some injuries. So I think that in the near future, uh, he's going to take care of that in terms of calendar. So he will try to play as less tournaments as possible to save the energy for the big events like Djokovic is doing nowadays. But it's true that Djokovic's advantage is that he's so much good in the big events that then he can rest for a while. He doesn't need to go to the Asia swing because he has extra points. So Alcaraz in the future, he's going to take care of, uh, of the calendar. And in terms of uh, tennis improvement, there's always uh, things to improve. Uh, like Nowadays, I think that he struggles a bit with the serve, with the serve average. So once he's recovering the serve, I, I think next year he has a lot of chances to come back to the number one.
13: And in tennis as well, we talk so much about rivalries. Can you see a rivalry with him and some of the other players that are coming up?
12: Well, no, nowadays, the, his main rival is Djokovic. Even he's <laughs> 36, but uh, Djokovic can continue until 40 or 41 because right. he's free of injuries. But of uh, the next-gen rivals, I would pick Janik Sinner by far. Not because we are in Italy, because he's level. Because most of the circuit is on hard. And I think that uh, Janick on hard course is much better than any other one, apart from Carlos. And uh, of course, after Janick I would pick Olga Rune. It's true that he needs to be more regular, because he's too much up and down. But at the same time, uh, with the movement that he did, uh, getting Boris Becker as a coach, I think that he respects Boris so much for, for what he did on tennis. And uh, they will have a successful relation, I guess. Mm-hmm.
13: And lastly, in the beginning, I know you mentioned Nadal as well. You sure followed N- Nadal's entire career. Mm-hmm. Um I know Carlos in particular doesn't like to be compared to Nadal. He likes to be his own person. What, what exactly does he speak to you about that? Or does he even address it?
12: Well, of course, he doesn't want to be compared because at the end of the day, he knows that it's an extra pressure. Yeah. Because if he starts talking that I want to be the new Nadal, everybody will start saying, what are you talking about? Are you going to win 22 Grand Slams?" So. I don't think that Djokovic like to be compared with uh, Federer. It's true that Nadal and Alcaraz, both of them are Spanish, so the comparison, let's say, it's easier. But uh, in terms of style of game, they are totally, totally different. different yeah. So it's difficult to compare. Of course, the Alcaraz is only 20, and Nadal, when he was 20, more or less, he got like two or three grand slams. So we can compare it in that way that both of them start winning very, very, very young age. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Alcaraz uh, seen Adal not as a rival, but as, as, as an idol. That's why next year, if they have the chance to play the Olympics together in right. doubles, uh, a part that is going to be a successful doubles, uh, I think that Carlos is going to enjoy it like a kid. Even he's already a superstar. He will play with his idol, so so it's going to be an interesting feeling for him.
0: Now that would be something to behold. Nadal and Alcaraz playing doubles at the Olympics. Watch this space. Spanish journalist Juan Solsona talking there with Jill Krabus. Alcaraz has six titles this year, including Masters in Madrid and Indian Wells, and his second Grand Slam title at Wimbledon. Just behind Alcaraz, with five titles, is Daniel Medvedev, who's looking to cap one of the most successful seasons of his career this week in Turin. A former champion two years ago, he told Chris Bowers how the butterflies have maybe given away now to more calm excitement.
14: Well, I feel definitely maybe a little bit less pressure, because before I won it, I lost three matches in a row. But at the same time, this tennis is such a let's call it a cyclic thing, that uh, last year I lost three matches and three of them were really close on the decisive tie break. I think two of them I was serving for the match. So for sure this year I want to uh, try to 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 be better. And uh, that's exactly what happened a couple of years ago
4: when I managed to win it. So let's hope it's going to be the same story. I mean, it was remarkable last year, three final set tie breaks. And of course you've had other final set tie breaks at the ATP finals. Did you have to sort of almost get over last year or was it just the kind of freak thing that can happen at the end of the year?
14: For sure, I needed some time uh, to to kind of either forget it or um, process it. Uh, but at the same time... Uh, What was good is that it was the last tournament of the season, so one week after I was like, okay, whatever, I'm for sure disappointed. But now it's a new season to prepare. I'm going to go practice hard and try to not let it uh, happen next time. Uh, And so now, in a way, I have this opportunity uh, uh, to to try to... uh to make it different. Because yeah, for sure, I mean, you play against the best players in the world. So as soon as you go to the third set and the ending of the third set, it's going to be tough for, for both of you. And you you both know how to deal with this pressure. So last year I was not strong enough to manage to make it. And this year I'm going to try to be stronger.
4: You had that amazing match a couple of years ago against Sinner. He was an alternate at the time. So and there was nothing on the match, but he's qualified this time. And of course he'll have the support. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that is good? If you have to play him, will that be a major factor?
14: Yeah, I think uh, first of all, if we play, I think it's good because we can only play in semis or final because we're number three and four, so we're going to be different groups. Uh, That's the first part, so happy to play him, (laughs) that means I won some matches against some good opponents already. Uh, And for sure it's going to be interesting to see, because I think for sure we had uh, Andy in London uh, many years in a row and uh, I actually I was not there, so I don't know how it felt, but uh, Yannick playing in Italy is going to be a big atmosphere, so uh, I wonder, and it's always a question, it's going to give him a lot of energy, but a lot of pressure also, so I wonder how how it's going to be. Uh, and for sure, we played some uh, tough matches this year, uh, two, two, two and two, in and the head-to-head. So I would love to play him uh, one more time.
4: Going into a tournament with Round Robin, where you can afford to lose a match still win the tournament, does that change the attitude?
14: Well, I think what it changes is if you lose a match, uh, that's when you get the second chance, which in tennis doesn't happen except this tournament. Uh, and that's uh, the only the only time. Uh, but when you go into the tournament, the best uh, feeling is try to not lose this match. <laughs> try to win every match uh, possible and uh, get to the final like this. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, we have a lot of stories where someone lost the first match and then won the whole thing. So that's uh, what makes it, uh, this tournament special.
0: Also, And in this most successful of years, ATP Uncovered asked Medvedev to pen a letter to the game.
15: Dear tennis, I remember when I was uh, six years old and I just loved uh, running around with a racket. Consciously, I fell in love with you when I understood this feeling of uh, competitiveness that you have because it's one against one and only one player wins. Since then I have come uh, very far and I would have never imagined even at this point that it would be possible because the thing about tennis no matter which age you play no matter which level it's always competitive and you never really know if you will be able to go even higher. The journey of my career so far with you was for sure very exciting was better than I could have imagined as a kid I absolutely love it and I'm really proud of what I've achieved with you, but there is always but. Every time I'm on the court and every time something is not working as you want, you forget all the good moments and it becomes really tough to be together with you. The biggest challenge you brought me is being able to push every day no matter how hard it is. And when I say this is sometimes I lose uh, I lose some matches, I lose some confidence. And I know that the next day when I'm going to practice, everything is going to be feeling very bad, sometimes extremely bad. But in order to feel good after, you have to continue pushing. And that's uh, what you taught me. I have so many memorable moments with you, so I'm not going to choose one, because all the moments from start to finish were amazing, and it's not finished yet. We had some tough ones, we had some good ones, and I'm sure we're going to have some amazing, good moments together again. I hope in the future we can somehow understand each other better, because I will be honest, till, uh, till today, I still don't understand you. Hopefully this can change. Love, Daniel.
0: If Medvedev's year has been about keeping momentum going, Sasha Zverev's has been about a kickstart. After a lengthy spell away with a serious ankle injury and a slow start to the year, the big German, who's a two-time champion at these finals, really started to power through in the middle part of the season.
16: In the beginning, I really was, you know, I was nowhere near making Turin. I was nowhere near of even thinking about Turin. I was more uh, thinking about how to win matches. You know, I was barely winning matches. I was barely making points as well. And uh, it kind of turned around in the summer for me when I started winning tournaments again, when I, uh, you know, made the semis of Roland Garros. I think that was a big turning point for me in a way as well. And uh, from then onwards, obviously, it was it was fun to to be uh, to be on a tennis court again.
5: What's the biggest lesson you learned this year?
16: that you don't get what you want straight away, in a way. Um, I think you have to be patient at times, you have to be uh, working for the things that you that you really want to achieve. I think, uh, you know, before the injury I was so close to, to being one number one and all of that, and then uh, that kind of was taken away from me and all of a sudden after the injury I'm 27 in the world. So. Um, And then, of course, being back in the top eight, being back at this tournament, uh, I'm grateful for that and obviously it's very special.
5: And can we just talk about the three opponents um, when you look across the net and Alcaraz is there, you know, what's it like to face him? I think, uh, you know, he's
16: one of the best players in the world over the last two years. He's won two grand Slams. he's been world number one. Um, So there was no secret that it's it's difficult. But I think, you know, to, to cut it short, I think, Facing anybody and looking over the net when there's only eight of the best players here in the world is scary in its own way and I think, it, you know, other players have a lot of respect for for the guys that are here and for the guys that they're facing normally at the tournament. So, um, there's no easy draws here. Everybody can play tennis, everybody has done something in their season that is special.
5: I mean, you actually have a really good head-to-head record against Alcaraz. so how do you beat him? What's the, what's the thing you have to do right?
16: First of all be at your best. Uh, I think the, the times that I have beaten him I was at my best. I was playing my absolute best tennis. Um, so I think that, that is the main focus because if you're not quite there, if you're a little bit maybe slowish, if you're not hitting the ball as as, as well as you can,
5: you don't have any chance. You played Medvedev 17 times. Yeah. <laughs> what have you learned about playing him? Yeah, before the season we were equal and head-to-head
16: and then this season came along and then uh, it kind of uh, changed a bit, uh, of course we played a lot uh, against each other in the first part of the season uh, and then we played twice against each other in the second part of the season which which went one-all, uh, you know, but he's somebody that doesn't give you anything, he's like a wall on the court and uh, you really
5: have to, to kind of win the match yourself. And one last question, Rublev, when you look across the net, how would you describe what you see? <laughs> power, uh,
16: a lot of effort and a lot of hard-hitting forehands. I think that, that describes him the best. Speaking of Andrei
0: Rublev, Chris Bauer also caught up with the 26-year-old and asked him how he felt to book his place at a fourth straight NITO ATP Finals.
17: I feel very proud and happy to be able to qualify one more year uh, in Turin and to be part of the best eight players.
4: Is that a target you set for yourself at the start of the year?
17: No, that was not a target. But obviously, after you Open, when I was doing well in a race, and uh, for sure that was the goal for the rest of the year to try to qualify for Turin.
4: Do you like the round robin format?
17: I like that format, but I think could be best of five sets.
4: Or you'd like it to be best of five in the round robin.
17: Yeah, all the matches because there you don't play that many matches. I think in total you play only five matches. So and if they do like enough in like in slams, one day play, one day not play, can be even better because you have the best eight players and to play with the best eight players, best of three sets. Uh, it's I don't know. I like more when it's best of five. You have better feeling
4: because you used to have the final. The last match yeah. was best of five.
17: Yes, or at least to the final. I think it's nice.
4: How do you play on indoor hard court? I mean, obviously, you play on lots of different surfaces, but the year-end is on indoor hard. Does that suit you?
17: I don't know. We'll see. I think I have a good game to play indoor, and we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. Obviously, you need to to surf well and to return well indoor is the, the main two things.
4: If you're going to uh, win the finals you probably have to beat one of Djokovic or Alcaraz possibly both you've played Djokovic you've beaten him on clay but never on hard what do you need to do better to beat him on hard
17: everything I don't know there is I need to play my best match and he need to play his worst match
4: but I mean come on you're better than that
17: Mm, we'll see. Uh, but for sure, to be able to beat him, I need to play my best tennis and he needs to play his worst tennis.
4: And against Alcaraz, you've never played him, have you? Have you practised with him?
17: We practised a couple of times. I mean, Alcaraz is one of the best players at the moment and he knows how to do everything. I mean, it's crazy the way physically he is. I think, yes, if I play him... I need to play also my best match, and he needs to play his worst match.
4: <laughs> do you imagine though how you how you can beat both these two? Do you do you ever picture it?
17: Mm, uh, just to do my best, and we'll see what's going to happen. I don't know.
4: Sure, but everyone looks at you and says, "What a what a great player!" You're clearly a member of the top ten. Is there a lack of belief? I mean, listening to you talk, or is this a a nice way of taking the pressure off yourself?
17: I would probably say it's yeah, kind of a take-out out a pressure in a nice way. Of course if I play one of these two players I will do my best to try to to compete against them and to to have a chance to 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 go for to try to win it. But it's super tough and they're better than me and they show it already many many years. So we'll see for this I need really, really to play my best tennis.
7: You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Podcast.
0: To the doubles now and we start with the defending champions Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury who find themselves in the red group alongside Wesley Koolhof and Neil Skupski, Rohan Bopana and Matt Ebden and this year's Australian Open champions Rinki Hijikata and Jason Kubler. It's been a strange old year for Ram and Salisbury who rallied from a slow start to claim another Grand Slam title at the US Open. So how do they assess the year as a whole? Chris Bowers,
18: Ask the question. Mixed would be overall uh, analysis of it. But, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say it's not been a good year when we've won a Grand Slam. But I think overall, we'd say we've yeah, not been happy with how a lot of it's gone. And obviously, yeah, had we not won the US Open, then it would have been a very poor year uh, by our, our standards. But obviously, the fact that we, we did that, we, we always say that we want to do the best at, at the biggest tournaments, and we managed to win win one of the Grand Slams, so then that's obviously a a huge achievement.
4: Is any disappointment relative? I mean, you're going to finish the year in the top
18: ten in terms of doubles
4: pairs, and is it perhaps just because you've been in the top three in the last couple of years that this feels more disappointing?
18: Yeah, I think so, but that's kind of the standards that we want to set ourselves and measure ourselves against that. I mean, our aim is to to be the number one team, so we're obviously quite a long way off that this year, um so yeah, anything kind of that that's sort of far away from that we're gonna say is a yeah, a below average year or maybe a, a year that we're not not completely happy with and yeah obviously that's that's pretty high standards to have, but that's that's where we want to be.
4: Raj, I was talking to Neil Skupski and Wes Kulhoff and they said "Oh, we we had our list of people who were gonna do well at the start of the year and we penciled uh Raven Salisbury in for the US Open because they always win that. Did you feel that that was your tournament? Because he did win it for the third year running.
19: Well, obviously, yeah. You know, we've had great success there and we've we've done well. I, I don't think you can ever just maybe assume that you know, you're going to win a, a major. But, I mean, we, we seem to play our best there for sure, for whatever reason. I think a, a lot of things suit our game. And obviously, you know, as tennis players, we tend to do well at places we've done well before. So, But I, I do think it's a pretty... Um, substantial achievement that we were able to do this year to win it three times in a row just because even if you do well and play well there's always a bit of you know something that has to go your way and so for that to happen three years in a row is pretty pretty special for us I think
4: you said for whatever reason I mean is there any particular reasons or anything you can put your finger on in terms of why you do so well at the US Open
19: I think I mean I think we've always actually had a pretty good lead up to it we've always pretty you know done well in one of the Masters events beforehand I think we generally play our best on hard courts anyway so I think you know I think we've done well in Australia as well. We haven't quite won three times there, but we've done you know pretty well there. Um, so I think a, a lot of things just sort of come together for us. And yeah, like I said, we, after winning it you know once and then twice, it, it does definitely have a special place for us.
4: Do you identify at the start of the year the pairs that you think are going to be the the main opposition?
19: I would say sort of, but you kind of have a, a, a pretty good idea. I mean, obviously Wes and Neil finishing number one last year, um, you know Austin and, and Yvonne winning. French this year, I think they made the final last year. They, they played really well at the end of last year. And then there's obviously ones that maybe you're not sure of that surprise you. Um, and this year there have been a couple of those. So I think it's been a little bit of a mix this year.
4: Did you expect Ebden and Bopana I mean, they're oh, both yeah. quality players, but they're a new team.
19: Yeah, a new team. You never really know how that's going to go. And, and obviously, you know, Bopes, it's been pretty well documented that he's one of the older players around. So you're just not, you're not quite sure. But look, they've had an unbelievable year and fully deserving of their position.
4: Joe, did you uh, have an idea at the start of the year how how did your idea maybe differ from Raj's
18: yeah I mean we usually talk about it but more just for the for the fun of it rather than for any kind of tactical or planning reasons obviously because any match that we play and any team we play we're going to respect them and know that it can be a very tough match Um, obviously there's kind of the more you get into the season you see the teams that are doing well and you kind of realize that they're going to be maybe slightly tougher than, than some others, but I don't think you would treat them any differently. Um, but I think, yeah, there's definitely been a few few pairs this year w- where you think maybe a bit surprised, or not surprised, but maybe you wouldn't have, have picked them to be doing as as well as they have done. And I guess, yeah, Bapana and Ebda would maybe be one of them. Um, I guess Gonzalez and Maltini, another one. Um, and also Gonzalez, Roger Vasteland would be another new team in... In the tour finals, so I think there's there's definitely a few um, that we maybe wouldn't have picked.
4: So when you come up in Turin against pairs that are top ten, uh, it's it's constant pressure. Do you feel that entire tournaments come down to one point?
19: You know, I think it can kind of seem like that, but but I feel like in order to sort of be your best in those big moments it's like you have to be really good and really alert and aware all the time you can't just sort of like oh this is a big point let me turn it on now or at least I can't I don't think you know we as a team can I think it's more about the whole process and the whole week and even the practices and everything to be in that state of mind so that yeah when that time comes to really you know um, produce in a big moment you're able to be in the right frame of mind I don't think it's just as simple as yeah, it comes down to this one point I think it's more than that you've played many year-end ATP finals what stands out for you about the
4: tournament or any particular memory from whether it's London or Turin?
19: I mean I think qualifying my first time just because you'd feel like it's such a big achievement you know like to to be there the top eight singles guys it's just a different feel because it's a smaller group of people they they do really do make an effort to to make you feel special which is really nice and then yeah obviously last year you know winning it we went undefeated we we got close the year before we were undefeated until the final but to uh, to win it and especially to go undefeated and win it was, I think, you know, really special. Obviously,
4: and Joe, obviously you have memories from both London and Turin. Anything specific?
18: Yeah, I think very similar to Raj. I think the first time we qualified, it was uh, yeah, pretty pretty amazing experience. I mean, it was the first kind of full year that had been playing on tour, first year with Rajiv, and just to, yeah, qualify from the finals. I don't think we qualified until the Paris Masters um was was pretty amazing and just to be there on that stage playing the O2 Arena was was incredible um, but then also yeah we've we've kind of done better each year that we've played it up until yeah winning it last year so that was uh yeah an incredible way to to finish the season um and definitely yeah one of the best matches we've played in in that final as well so yeah it, it, it is a really really special tournament and and can't wait for it again this year
0: Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury speaking with Chris Bowers. And as they said, there are some surprise pairings in Turin this year, including Mexico's Santiago Gonzalez and Frenchman Edouard Roger Vasselin. They find themselves in the Green Group alongside Ivan Dodi and Austin Krajicek, Marcel Granoyer and Horacio Ceballos, and Argentine pairing Massimo Gonzalez and Andrea Moltini. And whilst there's always been a certain amount of musical chairs with the doubles pairings, this one seems to have been all about fate, as Gonzalez explains.
20: It was very funny how we started to play because uh, last year in India, was he, he wasn't getting in with his partner, I wasn't getting in with mine, so we decided to play together, we make the final. So it was an amazing, amazing uh, week. So after that tournament, he's back, with his partner, he, I was back with my partner, uh, and the same happened in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, he wasn't getting in with his partner. Me For me, the same. We, we play again with the semifinals. We go back to our former <laughs> partners, and at the end of the year, we talk about it. Uh, so we play two tournaments together. We make a final and a semifinals in a Master House and beating some good teams. So uh, it, I think maybe it's, it's worth it to try to play together next year. So yeah, at the end of the. Was kind of funny, and then we're here. Yeah.
21: It's a bit like a marriage, isn't it? And you're also having an affair, and the affair is actually better, but you go back to the marriage. Yeah,
20: exactly. It's so like a relationship. Yeah, yeah. No, no, he was very fine okay, Because good. at the end of the day, uh, also he find a good friend of, of him uh, to play it, uh, Same last name, González, from Argentina. And they're doing very good also this year. So I'm very happy for him. He's very happy for me. We are good friends and we have a good relationship.
21: And it is important, isn't it, to have a good relationship with your partner and your ex-partners, of course. But how well do you and Roger Vassalan get on?
20: Yeah, very good. I mean, we are both very relaxed off course and on court. So, I mean, we kind of like the same stuff, uh, soccer, golf playing uh, tennis, of course. And uh, yeah, I mean, he have also two kids. I have two kids so it's kind of the same life, uh, yeah. just different countries. But uh, it's you've good. got a lot
21: to talk about, haven't you? Yeah. When you both got children. Yeah, exactly. And almost the
20: same age, uh, boy and girl the same So it's, it's, yeah, it's good.
21: Nice. And football. So do you play football or do you just like to watch it?
20: Uh, no, I, I used to play uh, when I was a kid uh, at the end uh, when I was w- growing up. Uh, uh, when I was 10, I was deciding between if I was playing tennis or I was playing soccer. I was also like, <laughs> I was pretty good at the time uh, when what I was position? 10. Uh, I was a midfielder, yeah. And then uh, at the end of the day, I was winning my, the tournaments in tennis. So between my parents, the coach and everything, decided to play tennis. So. But when I have time, I play soccer a little bit. Not too much because, I mean, I'm old now. I can I can be Don't injured, injured. Yeah, very 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 easy. So, so that's why I changed it a little bit for golf.
21: And what's your football team?
20: Uh, used to be Veracruz, my yes. uh, the the Red Shark called. But they went down. They now they don't. They, they not exist. So, so But uh, I'm a big fan from Real Madrid. Oh, you're yeah. Real Madrid. You're yeah,
21: jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, kind I know. Like yeah, okay. yeah. You're allowed to.
20: I have some Spanish. Uh, how do you call it? Uh, my grandpa is spanish i have spanish a spanish roots. passport yeah so uh, so, so yeah. that's why so also, yeah. all right
21: we'll let you off then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just finally you're 40 we've spoken about that how many years do you look to continue given that you're playing some of the best tennis of your life
20: yeah if you tell me that uh, question like 2 years ago i will say 40 is a good year to quit but uh, now <laughs> i think i'm i'm playing my best tennis right now i'm i'm healthy i'm i have no injuries so i'm I'm, I'm enjoying traveling. I'm enjoying playing. I'm enjoying competing. So I will say two or three years at least. Yeah.
21: Let's just keep going. And your wife is happy for you to keep playing, no Yeah, problem.
20: my wife loves to travel also. Oh, so perfect. so that's why maybe next year decided to travel more of like together with the family. Yeah. Maybe to Australia, then it's, it's Los Cabos and Acapulco in Mexico. So it's easy in New was Miami, then maybe come to to Europe with the whole family. So try to make it work somehow, so hopefully, yeah.
21: There's nothing really better, is it? It was a great children's education to travel the world, especially yeah, watching it's... you being successful. That must be a lovely feeling.
20: Yeah, yeah, also for them, I, I, th- I think at this age, they will learn more from this than uh, from re- really the school. But at the end of the day, it's going to be only one year or two years and then they're going to go back to school. I'm not going to play forever. So, <laughs> so yeah, we need to enjoy this time and hopefully also they, they, they will enjoy it.
21: Santiago Gonzalez, thank you very much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. Candy Reed with Santiago Gonzalez there, who is one of three 40-somethings, amazingly, in this year's doubles draw. And we finish this week as we started with another former year-end world number one and massive crowd favourite. This is the story of how Brazil's favourite tennis son Gustavo Guga Curtin climbed all the way to the top by finishing the season
2: on a high. Hi everyone, here's Guga and this is how I became, somehow, (laughs) a number one. Absolutely
1: incredible. <laughs> the adrenaline that this crowd gives him. He's done it! Gustavo Quirtin wins the Masters Cup and ends the year as the world number one.
2: Once uh, I, I got to, to Lisbon in 2000, Marat was. he won three or four tournaments in a row and just ended up. Uh, 10 days before or, or a week before a winning in Paris.
5: Zaffin claims his second Master Series title of the year.
2: It was me and Pete to play the second match, and then Marat and Andre to start the semi finals. And amazingly, we are facing the two biggest guys on our generation. They are there. We, we need to face them <laughs> and find a way to win. Agassi very easily.
5: And now for Safin he's got to hope that Pete Sampras or Andre Agassi defeats Gustavo Kuerten.
2: That was the only chance I had. And that makes all the difference. Sampras claims the set on his fifth set point. So I'm still very surprised the way. I sit down after losing the first set. It has to be mine. Even one set down and facing the worst guy I could ever choose in my career. Love game
1: for Gustavo Curtin to close out the second set. And after an hour and 33 minutes, the match is level
2: at once at all. I could uh, turn around the match, we end up playing a, a third set, a thriller one. Oh, incredible. <laughs> and somehow I saw myself after waiting here, and there, coming with the ball, come back again. I said, I have to take the risk. I have to, to go for it. He's done it.
12: Tomorrow, I will be
2: number one. You made it! Probably the best match on my career by far, over the circumstances. Normally, you play the final, you play 80%. Sometimes it happens to play 90%. But it's, it's the match you need to, to go over the seven and eight scale, it's, it's awesome.
0: His own and Quentin is the champion of
2: champions. I don't like to say uh, and to <laughs> give myself 10s, but 9.9. Uh, 9 <laughs> to be able to get better in the next one. I, I'm sure it, it was the match that I, I put these five stars. Gustavo Kirito, the tennis player, a Brazilian, to go out there and beat. I believe for the first time in the semifinal and the final, Andre, and Pete, it was for sure the best achievements for me as a human being. <laughs> the passion, the love, this, the emotion going to my mother <laughs> to, to give her back the hug that uh, brought us the number one spot in the world.
0: It's going to be a busy week in Turin and you can keep across all the action live on Tennis TV. subscribe to that you can catch all the latest results on the ATP WTA live scores app and for everything else there is atptour.com I'm Seb Lozier enjoy the tennis we'll see you next week